Habakkuk chapter 2, verses 1 through 3, and it says this, I will take my stand at my watch post and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, write the vision, make it plain on tablets. Why? So he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, somebody needs this today, wait for it. Wait for it. Right? Wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Today as we continue on in our series blip and we work through our vision Sunday, I want to speak to you from the subject, put it in writing. Put it in writing. As we look at living a life of vision personally and as a church this Vision Sunday. Would you pray with me just one more time? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that not only is it inspired by you, but it is literally your word to us. In it resides truth and grace, power and magnificence. And it's upon your word when in our lives that everything moves and shifts. So God, I pray that you would speak to us this morning that we would hear your voice in everything that's about to be shared, that we would experience your presence, and where your presence is, there is freedom, and who the sun sets free is free indeed. So we station ourselves in you this morning. We ask that you would speak to us. Our hearts are open, our ears are listening right now. We are listening right now. Speak to us in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, and everybody shouted. Amen. Amen. Um, show of hands, how many of you have bought a house before? Bought a house. There's a lot of us in here. Um, and if you haven't bought a house yet, you'll, you'll, you'll get there. Um, or don't, but uh, um, I remember the first time my wife and I bought a house. Uh, it was the scariest thing that we've ever done. And I'll, I'll never forget, you, you're, you're walking through the house, and it's one thing to walk through the house and then have the conversation and then decide, we're going to buy this house, we're going to put an offer in the house. Like putting an offer in and, of it, in and of itself is scary, for sure, 100%. But how many of you know, the minute you sit down in the real estate agent's office and you're signing 19 years of pages, Right, and you're in there for like four and a half hours and your soul leaks out of your ears like during that moment, right? How many of you know that's when it gets real scary, right? Page after page after page. And I don't know if you're like me, but have you ever thought to yourself in that moment, you're like, what am I actually signing? Like, am I signing something that they're like, I can take an appendage from you if we want to, right? Like, I don't know what's in that stuff sometimes that we're signing. But it's in that moment that, yeah, you walked and you put the offer, but not now when you put it in writing. Wow. It gets scary. And it gets real, real quick. And this is the point of Habakkuk. If you want to live a life of purpose and vision, you got to write it down and don't deviate from it. Vision is important, and living with vision sets us apart. And I've come to find out that many don't live with vision because vision includes some things that for many of us are difficult to assimilate in our lives. But we've been called Every single one of us, no matter where you're at in your journey of faith, whether this is your first time stepping into church, you've been here a million times, whether you've been kicking the tires on faith or you've been following Jesus for a long, no matter where you are at on the spectrum of faith, we have been called to an above and beyond life, and that is a life with vision. So there are some things that we got to understand about vision and living that vision out. And so that's what I want to focus on this morning. And I want to encourage you, apply these principles, these things we're going to talk about, not just to the vision that we're talking about as a church and where we're going this year, but apply it to your life at the end of the day, because these points, they translate over. So I want to look at four things that we need to understand about vision, and I need your help this morning, so come on, everybody shout number one. Number one, this is the first one. 
Where there is vision, there is change. <laughs> You're not going to like all these points, I promise you. <laughs> but hopefully you do. Where there is vision, there is change. Come on, show of hands. I just got like a little therapy session. How many of you love change? You're like, I'm all about change. It's like five of us. <laughs> how many, like the rest of it, how many of you would say, you know what? Nah, probably not. Change. Like if it stayed the same, I'm good with that. I'm, I'm, m- most of us, it was the 9 a.m. as well. And then there's a portion of you that no matter what I do, you will not raise your hand. I get that. So <laughs> how many of you, if I were to give you a million dollars right now, would put up your hand, right? <laughs> exactly. That's the rest of you. <laughs> I love In-N-Out Burger. Yeah. Right? It's from the Lord. And... Uh, when Jesus prayed, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, in and out was in his mind. And so, <laughs> but there's something special about in and out. It stays the same. And that's, I think, why we love it for the most part. I mean, because at the end of the day, it's not healthy, right? It's not like we're going to in and out going like, man, I'm about to get like perfect macros on cue right now. Like, I'm going to do my health regime a, a, a solid by going to in and out. No, no, we go to in and out because it's the same great burger Every day, in and out. <laughs> there you go. Um, so, but here's the problem with that, is that our lives have not been called to be in and out. Our lives have not, are not meant to stay stationary in the same. And here's what I've learned about vision. Where there is vision, there is change. Now, God offers a promise to Noah, and that same promise is offered to us. And this is what he says in Genesis chapter 8, verses, verse 22. He says, while the earth remains, watch this, Seed time and harvest, cold and heat, summer and winter, day and night, inversion and no, no, that's not in there. <laughs> it shall not cease. What's he saying? This is change. It's seasonal change because it's needed. He's saying the change is going to happen. It will be constant. That's what you can understand is that, that even in the midst of change, there still is this consistency in it. And for many of us, we hate change, and this is why we hate change. We hate change, not because things are changing, but because it produces insecurity in us. We inevitably look at change, not because things are changing. We're actually okay with the thing that has changed because it's outside of us. What we have a tendency to do is then look at the thing that's changing and we go, what does that mean for that's why we don't like it. So we work super hard to be very secure, right? We do everything in our power to manage life and, 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 and mitigate life in such a way that I can, I can station myself through it. I can walk through it with no, like no insecurity, and I walk that line. And when change comes, how many of you know that if you were to go to In-N-Out tomorrow and they were offering a hot dog, you might lose your mind? <laughs> I know I would. And then I might get down with it because it's In-N-Out, right? <laughs> but I'm like, okay, they're good at other things. But it produces this insecurity. It produces this thing inside of us that we don't like. And that's why we, we get frustrated with change. But to be change-oriented followers of Christ, we have to get comfortable with change. We've got to become loyal to change. Because seasonal aspects, change is a part of kingdom initiative. And this is not just applicable in our church, it's for our lives as well. Everything in life has a seasonal aspect to it that includes all kinds of different things. Sowing and reaping, cold and and heat, all these different things that he's talking about. It's change. Let us not be the type of people, though, that try to stay away from change because of everything that we're trying to hold on to. You see what I'm saying? 
So let's take sowing and reaping, for instance, and I'm not just talking about resources. We'll talk about that in a few minutes, but when it comes to sowing and reaping in anything, how many of you know that in marriages, there's, there's seasons of sowing and then there's seasons of reaping? In raising children, there's seasons of sowing and hopefully there's a day that there's the season of reaping, right? In church, there's sowing and there's, and there's reaping. In your job, there's sowing and there's reaping. And what I've come to find out is for a lot of people, we have a tendency to hang on to what we've gathered or what we've reaped, and we then therefore don't want to sow anymore because it's harder. Right? We try to get to that place of safety. But God says where there's vision, there has to be, there has to be change. And here's the deal. We celebrate the past but come on, somebody, we're loyal to the future, and the future will always require change. On January 1st, my wife and I, we celebrated 13 years of marriage. 13, right? We looked in each other's eyes, and we gazed upon each other, and, and, and we ate copious amounts of food, and we talked vision and goals and all of these different things. But how many of you know, in celebrating the past 13 years, we quickly came to a place where I now have to be loyal to the next 80 or so, give or take 15. <laughs> we're, not we're not loyal to those past 13. We celebrate them, but we are loyal to now and moving forward. Because why? Life's going to change. Life's going to change. And so here, this year at the well, we're making some changes. This year, we're tackling some things here at the well. We're going to do things different. Come on, somebody. We're going to fail, and we're going to succeed. And we won't do things flippantly. We'll do it with wisdom, but we're going to do them intentionally, but I can guarantee you this, and I want to go on record this weekend at church, we will not stay the same around here. And for some of you, that already freaks you out. You're like, no, we need it to be the same. No, you don't. Don't roll with it. We celebrate the past, but we're loyal to where we are going. All right? Here's the deal. Write this down if you're taking notes. If we are not changing, we're not progressing. If we are not changing, we're not progressing. I want to get better. I want to do new things. And so here's some things that are changing around here this year. I want to invite up this amazing couple that I've been getting to know for a while, Luis and Sandra. Will you guys pop up here really quick? Bring your kiddos. One of them's in kids' ministry. She's running everything back there right now. Um. <laughs> I met Luis and Sandra um, about six or eight months ago. These guys are, are an amazing couple. We love these guys so much already. Um, she's so much cooler than he is, just by the way. Um, <laughs> he married up. Um, so <laughs> most of us do, guys. Let's just be real. <laughs> um, and so I met these guys. We started a conversation in Starbucks one weekend, as all good conversations start, over coffee. And uh, Luis and Sandra have been pastoring a church up in Ogden. And uh, these guys have been going through uh, just some different things in, in, their, in their walk with God and praying some things out. So when we first got together, we started talking about what it would look like for us to come alongside of each other and challenge each other and encourage each other as, as pastors of churches. And, and how many of you know pastors need encouragement at times? And so, so we, were, we were having that conversation. And then one conversation led to another conversation, and we started, we started talking about what is God doing in, in these guys? And Lo and behold, they were in a moment where they felt like God was starting to transition some things in their heart and bring them into a new season, yet had not identified that. Through a lot of prayer, a lot of conversation, a lot of prayer, a lot of late night conversation, <laughs> and more prayer, um, they came to the place where they, they were really believing and knowing that God was asking them to transition their church in Ogden 
to be a part, not, not the Ogden Church, but for them to remove themselves from that church to become a part of what's happening here at the well. And so what I want to do is I want to introduce you guys to our newest staff pastors, Pastor Luis and Sandra. And... Uh, <laughs> Um, these guys are going to have a massive role around here. I'm going to talk about what some of that role will be in just a minute. Um, I want to honor these guys. I think honor has been lost in our generation. And uh, to, to do what they've done, um, please know that it was, it was this, this decision that we have come to, that they have come to, they know is birthed in God's heart. Um, to have them here, it is definitely not. Um, that church is in the hands of a denomination now that was a part of it, and they're in good hands, and they're rolling forward. But these guys just knew that it was time to move into something new. Part of that something new is this next announcement that I want to make, and I want you guys to hang up here while I make this one. Uh, this year, as we've been looking at 2018 and realizing and seeing how our valley is growing, because how many of you know Salt Lake's growing? It's crazy. Um, it's always been in our heart to not just have people come to where ministry is happening, but to take ministry to people. Yeah. And so we've been positioning ourselves, and with Luis and Sandra being the, the spearhead to this thing, uh, in the fall of 2018, this fall, we're going to be launching our next community north of here. Yeah. Um, if you guys just look around, uh, our 11 a.m. is packed. Um, 9 a.m. is quickly on the heels of this. And I don't know about you, but, but 5 p.m. is going to take over the world. And so... <laughs> Um, it's, it's going hard, and, and so to do that, we understand that we're in a unique position when it comes to finances and property and all that jazz. There's a lot to consider, and so we're kind of of the nature right now where we're saying, you know what, instead of making people come to us, why don't we take the well to them? And uh, I, th I think personally, I think it's a cool picture to know that there could be a well in every community. Right? I think that's a really cool picture where people from, no matter what, they don't have to come to Sandy if they're living north of here, you know what, and, but it's not just north of here, it's east of here. Right? Like east of here, the other side of the mountains. I think, I think there needs to be a well up there one day. And there's west of here. Yeah, I know some of you are like, yeah, yeah, come on. Um, and there's a west of And there's a south of here. And I don't know about you, but I feel kind of like Abram right now where God's saying, look up to the north, the south, the east, and the west. See, I've given it all to your hands. And so we're going for it. And so these guys, right now for this next year, they're going to be spending their time focusing on pastoring here. They're going to be looking after new salvations and all kinds of other things that are happening around here, helping us with our processes, strengthening Sandy, because Sandy's not going away. Let me be clear on that, all right? Sandy's got to remain strong. Why? Because when you give birth to something, right, we're, we're having, when, when Sandy has a baby, we've got to do some exercise. <laughs> and if your name's Sandy in here, I apologize, all right? So... <laughs> Sandy's all there. I'm not having a baby. <laughs> Joe, she's lying. Um, so, <laughs> so we got to get strong around here so that we can so that we can have this this kid that we're going to put over here north of here. And uh, and Luis and Sandra are going to be heading up that one um, over there, and it's going to be awesome. And so get to know these guys. Take them out for coffee and and breakfast and lunch and dinner and all those things. Um, and pray for them as well because they are still currently living in Ogden. And uh, I want you to know how much these guys have sacrificed. Sorry, I didn't do this in the first service, but I want you guys to know. These guys are still living in Ogden, coming down here every single week, not just on Sundays, but during the week, um, uh, to make this happen. And so they're looking at selling their home in Ogden, moving down here um, as well. And so we need to pray and cover them with all of that um, so that they can uh, make wise decisions that, and find themselves here so they don't burn themselves out in the first six months of being on staff with us. But come on, can you put your hands together for these guys? Love these guys. I love you guys. Love you, love you. 
We're putting it in writing. Right? It's scary sometimes to say these things because then you have to be held to it, right? <laughs> so this year, fall of 2018, Sandy's, or the well is becoming two. And I believe in every year after that. Come on, somebody. We got we to gotta make this thing happen, okay? Big vision, it requires change. So some of the changes that, that we're making and the biggest change that happens right now is, uh, is these guys coming on. Number two, every shot, number two. Number two. Where there's vision, there's process. <laughs> yeah. I want to lose weight. And the process is I have to go to the gym. I got to change my eating. I got to do these things. It's process, right? One of the greatest reasons that we tend to not live with vision is because we hate process, right? And I talk about process a lot around here because I found it to be one of the most frustrating issues from pe for people to the point that a lot of our bad decisions come out of our dysfunctional relationship with process. We cut corners because we don't like process. We do things different than what we should be doing it because we don't like process. We want it faster. I'll talk about that in, in a minute. But have you noticed that before? We have a lot of bad decisions come out of our, our, our hate relationship with, with process. The New American Commentary says this concerning this issue um, that we see in this moment in Habakkuk's life. He says, the prophet's humanity demanded that God provide a warning about impatience. One even more important to people living in the exhausting pace of modern society. Whether in prayer or worship, contemporary worshipers demand that God act according to the dizzying schedule of those pressed for time. God reminded the prophet of the certainty of the message, but without the promise of meeting Habakkuk's time schedule. He continues to say this, impatience is the normal human response to God's promise. Impatience is our normal response to God's promise. Have you ever noticed that before? Why? Because we want it now. Right? Like, I want this promise now. God, it would really help me if you could do this in the next ah, 15 and a half minutes. I'll tell you what, as, as, as a pastor leading a, a growing congregation, there's a lot of things I wish could be done right now. We do this right now. My board always laughs at me because the things I want to do, they're like, bud, like, just chill out. Right? It's not all going to happen right now. That's hard for a person like me. I want it now. And so many times we petition God, now! And he's like, no, then. And so when I make these changes, when I talk about these changes, I want us to all understand something as well. We are in process. Okay? Stuff isn't changing tomorrow, but it's going to be changing through the course of the year. Right? You're going to see different people communicating from up here. You're going to see different worship leaders. Come on. I think that there is this beautiful tapestry of, of giftedness that God is bringing into this church. I love the diversity of this church. I love the skills of this church. I love the giftedness that's in this church. And it's not just meant to be carried by one person. It's meant to be carried by us all because we all are the church. Right? So the well has to go beyond one person. But there's a process to that, and we're going to be working through that process. That's why Paul says in Galatians 6, 9 through 10, let us not get tired of doing good, for we will reap at the proper time if we don't give up. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us, let us work for the good of all, especially for those of the household of faith. So everything has a process. So I want, to, I want to let you know about some processes that we're working through this year. The first process that we're working through is Redemption House. 
Many of you may have heard about this last year as we started the process. We are continuing to work through the process. Our board has met with city officials and government officials. Uh, we are looking at the legalities right now of certain things that we are trying to do. We are working through purchasing of homes and everything like that. Um, and there's a lot of red tape, a lot of legalities. If you don't know what Redemption House is, you're wondering what that is. Redemption House is, the, is a dream in the heart of our church. What if we, as a church, bought a home? We stuck four to five women and or men in that home who have been struggling with drugs and alcohol addiction. And we said, we're going to take you on a one to two year journey where you're going to work through at a faith-based level, a Jesus-based level, to overcome, to have a redemptive course work through your life. And at the end of that one or two years, you're going to be able to go out and you're going to be able to help others. We actually want to get our hands dirty and we want to see people healed from these things, right? So it's Redemption House. And here's the even cool part. Why multiple communities? Because I want a redemption house with every community. If it's north, it's a, it's a community, and it's a redemption house. If it's in Sandy, we're looking right now. We're, we've been looking at property. We've been looking at all kinds of different things. We're working through it. We want to make sure that we button everything up. But this year, hopefully, we get to the place where it launches this year as we continue to work these things out. It's in process, all right? The second thing that we're doing is we are, we are now entitling this our I Said Yes initiative. In 2017, we saw 239 people say yes to walking out their journey with Jesus. That's awesome. 239 people. Last weekend alone, this doesn't even count in that. Last week alone, we have 17 people say yes to Jesus. All right? It's awesome. But we have a problem. And the problem is, is that many of these people, although they're making this decision and it's a seed and we know that we understand that, we're asking ourselves the question, how do we help them through that process? Because it's one thing to make a decision. Come on, how many else know that it's another thing to put the song to it and walk it out? Right? <laughs> Maybe that should just come on at the end of every service after somebody says yes and now walk it out. Like, it's just it happens. <laughs> <laughs> That's so awesome. Um, so, and so, um, and so what, we're working, what we're working with right now with, with Pastor Luis and Sandra and a team that's being built is what that process looks like. And this thing's going to launch pretty quick to help somebody that the minute they say yes in one of our services to help them walk that journey out. Which is put practical steps of faith to that journey. Because we want to see those 239 people discipled and loved on and cared for. But how many of you know that it's baby steps? Right? And I think that's where the church gets mixed up sometimes is we expect people to be like other people who have been following Jesus for a long time. You know, when I had my kid, when my kids were learning to walk, how many of you know that I'm a seasoned walker? <laughs> Come on, somebody. Right? I'm a seasoned, I know how to walk. I mean, sometimes I doubt it, but most, most times I, I know how to walk. My wife, she's a seasoned walker as well. And so when we're walking with our kids and they're learning to walk, not once did it come out of our mouth, how dare you not walk well? <laughs> right? I can't believe you just fell. Come on, can you start running already? No, that never came out. But the funny thing is, is that many times the church does that with new believers. We expect them to walk as seasoned walkers. They're not seasoned walkers. They're falling over things and they're stumbling over things. But we want to be the type of church that says, come on, I know what it's like. I've been in process. There's been stuff going on in my life as well. Get back up. Let's keep walking. And I'm going to slow down to walk with you. I'm going to slow down to walk with you. Because so many of us are like, I'm a mature Christian. (laughs) 
It gets worse by the time we get to 5 p.m., trust me. <laughs> Can we do this way? <laughs> we, <got, laughs> we got to pause. This is where my wife gets home and she's like, you're an idiot. So <laughs> We got to pause. We got to walk with people. All right, Jesus, the Son of God slow down to walk with people. And if Jesus can do it, how come we've somehow arrived at this place where we believe it's somehow below us to do the same? So I said yes. So if that's something that excites you and working with new believers, come on, meet these guys, get on team, let's do this, all right? We talked about the northern community and the strength and support. With all these things in front of us, this year is going to be a year where we have to give continued focus upon Sandy, all right? We've got to make this place strong. We've got to make this place vibrant. We've got to make this place. And listen, we're running out of seats in here. We've run out of seats in here. And there's a lot of seats underneath that, that black uh, carpety stuff in the back by Eric. Eric, can you wave your hand? Right? Yeah. So th- those are all seats right there that are still empty. And you may look around and you'd be like, man, but this place is packed. Eleven's packed. Well, so what? Um, let's, <laughs> let's pack them in more. All right? I can't give you answers for what we're doing with this building and how it's all going to work out, but last time I checked, man, come on, if, the, if, if there's a party worth being at, it don't matter if we have enough seats, right? Hey, listen to the Bible when people were preaching, people were falling out windows, so um, <laughs> we don't have windows and I don't preach that long, so we should be, we should be good, um, but come on, let's do everything we can to continue to build strength and support here. Come on, are you with me right now? All right, everybody shout number three. Number three, here's the third one. Where there's vision, there's responsibility. <laughs> this is where 9 a.m. got really quiet. Um, where there's vision, there's responsibility. Listen to what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 3, 5 through 9. He says this. What then is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth. So neither he who plants nor he who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one, and each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers, you are God's field, God's building. All right? Something that I thought was profound concerning the scripture I, I, I saw in the New American Commentary this week says this. Human responsibility and divine providence are always complementary, complementary teachings. In other words, they go together. God always elicits human responsibility when there's divine initiative. Here's the truth. God uses people to accomplish his plans. He always has and he always will. All right? And to be those type of people, we've got to assimilate this truth into our life so that we can hold things loosely and give of ourselves generously. So I want to talk about four steps that we need to make as a church this year. And I want to preface this next section that I'm going to work through. I'm being very open and very candid about some stuff, okay? So please, lean in with me. Don't get quiet, all right? Get excited, lean forward. This next part's awesome, okay? Because I I believe this. To do all that God is calling us to do as a church, we have to realize that it will require greater degrees of responsibility and effort. To reach the city that we love, it's going to take an all-in mentality and an all-in spirit. One that says we will do whatever it takes, hear me this morning, to reach just one more person. I will do whatever it takes to reach just one more person. Like nothing short of sin, I will do to make sure that I just reach one more person. Because it's about the one. It's about the one. 
So here are four areas of responsibility we have to grow in this year. We've got to grow in our engagement. Can we make this year a year of engagement? looks like many different things. It looks like being a part of a table group because care happens in groups. It looks like getting on a team and, and being involved with a team. All right? Why? Well, this year, in 2017, we celebrate 239 decisions. 239 people say yes to Jesus. Please hear me when I say this. What you do matters. Where you serve matters. When you show up, it matters. And I can give you 239 reasons why it matters week in, week out. So don't doubt it. Don't second guess it. Don't let the enemy make you believe that what you contribute doesn't matter because it does when you greet, when you make coffee, when you teach children. Oh, Lord, when you teach children, when you open doors, when you pass out worship guides, it all matters and makes an impact on the life of people. From the parking lot to the pulpit, it all matters. It all matters. It matters. So don't ever think, well, I just shook somebody's hand. Yeah, but you might have just changed their life. Because you might have been the only person that just shook their hand that actually gave a rip. And that's what this church is about. We've got to grow in our engagement. The second one is this, we've got to grow in our giving. We've got to grow in our giving. I do not believe that the church should ever be hindered by resource. Come on, somebody. <laughs> there are a lot of other things that try to stand in the way, but lack of resource should never be one of them. All right? 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15 says this. The point is this. The person who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And the person who sows generously will also reap generously. Each person should do as he's decided in his heart, not reluctantly or out of compulsion, since God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to make every grace overflow to you, so that in every way, always having everything that you need, watch, you may excel in every good work. Notice that. As we sow, we reap, and God continues to help us have everything that is necessary to continue to do what it is that we need to do, and we have a big vision ahead of us. This year, more than any year before, becoming growing givers is of the utmost importance. And let me be very clear on this. It is not because we are in a deficit or because we lack. Nope. Not at all. Growing in our giving needs to take place because we have a big vision. It is not because we lack. It is not because we don't have. It's because we see what's before us and we know what it's going to take to get there. If we're going to accomplish all that God has put before us this year and in the years to follow, we can't simply do what we've been doing or what we have done in this past year. We've got to go to a whole new level. As a church this year, and I want you to hear this, I want to be very open about this. All right? I'm going to put it by the numbers so you can hear what's going on. As a church this year, through all of our giving, we brought in $537,089 and no cents. I put that in there because can someone please just give a quarter this year? <laughs> put it in the bucket. I just want to offset things a little bit. <laughs> Come on, what an amazing year. You guys should be proud of that. should be proud of that. For some of us, that sounds like a lot. And for others of us, in different contexts, that doesn't sound like anything at all. But here's what I want you to hear. Out of that 537000 that we brought in, we gave away to our local, national, and global initiatives $57,000 plus. Dollars. That doesn't go to operations around here. It doesn't go to anything. We gave away. It came in. It came out. $57,000 went to building houses in Mexico, helping the hurting and the lost and the broken and the poor, buying food and, and groceries and clothes and diapers and school supplies, planting churches all across the United States, supporting church plants, helping those who are fleeing from the FLDS situation that they're in, working with refugees right here in our valley. We helped a lot of people this year. 
with a lot of stuff. And we celebrate that, but we still need to grow in our giving. Why? Well, ourself and our board went on a journey this year in identifying the average giving for churches of our size and scope. The well is now called home by over 700 people and growing. While many, if not most of us, don't feel it due to smaller and multiple services, we are multiple services, we are a large church and a growing church. And when it comes to the financial makeup of churches, our size with our scope of ministry, in the United States of America, the average church like us will be at $750,000 to a million dollars a year. We did 539. And we've got a massive vision in front of us. We've got to grow in our giving. And while I celebrate the past, I am loyal to the future. I'm a, loyal, I'm, I'm a loyalist to Redemption House. I'm a loyalist to new communities. I'm a loyalist to more houses in Mexico. I'm a loyalist to better missions. I'm a loyalist. Come on. And so we've got to grow in this area. And I put these numbers in front of us so that we can see where we're at, so that we can help ourselves know where to go and what it's going to take to get there. And so I want to encourage all of us with some next steps. If you're not engaged in giving, get engaged. You've got to pray through that one. You've got to work through that one. And I, I teach about it around here all the time. We're not afraid to talk about it. It is what it is. We believe what the biblical standard is. But I know for some of you that idea of, of, of the tithe, the 10th, 10% is really scary. So, so it, it stops you from engaging in this area. Well, how about you just did two? Or four? Or six? Exercise that, that faith muscle. Come on, somebody. Exercise that faith muscle. And then for those of you who maybe have been doing that, I want to encourage you. Go bigger. I know for Eric and I this year, it's a topic of conversation in our house right now. How can we do more? How can we do more? How can I go above the, the 10%, 11%, 12%? How do, how do I do that? Why? Because with the measure that's given to me, I don't want to give a portion. I want it to be proportionate. Come on, somebody. I want it to be proportionate. And so the ability that we have as a family, we're going to do. And then here's something that all of us can do. Engage in motion offering this year. Last year... We had a fantastic motion offering. This is a, an offering that we come to in March. It'll happen this March. And uh, what we do is it's a one-time big gift offering. And it goes to our, our, our all kinds of different endeavors. Last year, 10,000 of what came in went to building the house, which we're going to be doing this year as well. Obviously, in looking at the new northern community and everything it's going to take get, to get there, that's a lot of dollars above and beyond our general operating budget here. And so this year in motion offering, we've got to go big. And for some of you, that's $20. For others, it's $200. And for some of us, it's $2,000. And for others in here, it's $20,000. you got to pray that out. you got to work that out. But here's the bottom line. We've got to grow in our giving this year. And attached to that, we have to grow in our praying this year. Our knees have to become calloused. If the church has calloused knees, the church has all the power it needs. If the church has calloused knees... And the church has all the power it needs. And I want us to be that church this year. And what's going on? Why is the, what, what's happening with the well? We've got some people who are praying. We've got some people who are engaged. And we've got to grow in our bringing. Simple as that. There's still people that need to hear the life-changing message of the gospel. So you invite them. You kidnap them. You do whatever you need to do <laughs> to get them here. And come on, number four. Every shot number four. Oh, come on, we can do better than that. Every shout number four. Number four, don't be quiet on me. The fourth and last one is this. This is what vision takes. Where there is vision, there's faith. 
where there is vision, there is faith. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 1 through 3 says this. Now faith is the reality of what is hoped for, the proof of what is not yet seen. For by our ancestors won God's approval. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the very word of God. So that what is seen was made from things that are not visible. You might have stepped into church today and been surprised at this wall that's out there. A couple months ago, I got a hold of this artist who's a pretty well-known and renowned artist in our community, in our valley. There's a lot of artwork for different places, and we started a conversation about what she could potentially do in our church. We talked about kids and other places, and we started talking about vision, and I was telling her their vision Sundays were coming up and everything like that. There's a statement that was made last year that kind of was almost a throwaway statement. And as God's been dealing with me coming up to Vision Sunday, this Sunday, it's come back around and I realized that this is the vision of our church. So she got a hold of that vision and this is what she said. She says, man, we need to write this on the wall. And it was right there that I knew, like, this is it. We're talking about putting the, the vision in writing. And so on our wall out there is the vision because it's important for us to see it every single time we come in here and every single time that we leave here. So we wrote it down. We put our faith in writing for all of us to see, to know every single time that we walk in here and every single time that we walk out of here. I want us all to know what type of house we are building by faith. And some of us may never see it to completion. It may be carried on by our kids and their kids. It'll be hard and it will be beautiful and it will be messy all in one go, but it will be a house like no other. It will be as Jesus desires it to be, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. And here's why, because here at the well, we are building a house that welcomes the least and the lost, a house that beckons the brokenhearted and builds up the beat down. We're building a house that calls out to the castaway and the commuter, the callous and the cast down. A house with its doors wide open to the marginalized and the maligned. A house that throws a party for the wayward and binds up the defeated. A house that welcomes home the burdened and the burnt out, encourages the discouraged, heals the hurting, loves the unlovable, and accepts the unacceptable. Come on, somebody, we're building a house that's united and calm.